You're listening to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast, a comfy, cozy place for private practice introverts, highly sensitive therapists, and solopreneurs who help and heal. This is the place for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. And welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy. Here in episode 76, I continue my conversation with Kelly Stevens of the Private Practice Pro about marketing your practice online. Now on to our conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm joined again today by Kelly Stevens of the Private Practice Pro. Welcome back, Kelly. Thank you. Yeah, last week we talked about building referral relationships. And today we're going to be digging into the topic of marketing your practice online. Um, so before we get started, briefly, if you want to give us a little recap of who you are. Yeah. So my name is Kelly Stevens. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Santa Barbara, California. And I run a consulting business called The Private Practice Pro, where I teach therapists how to build successful and sustainable cash pay private practices kind of from the ground up. So I offer a lot of online courses, resources, um, scripts, books, trainings that teach you how to build a cash pay private practice. So Mm -hmm. I'm super excited to be here because I'm a huge fan of this podcast. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm a huge fan of yours. And what I mentioned in the last episode is if you're not following Kaylee on Instagram, you're missing out. So follow her at the private practice pro. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I would love to have you all following. I try to post a lot of free tips every day and try to give a lot of content um, because I know it's not easy starting out. Right. So try to give a lot away. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of related to our topic today talking about marketing your practice online. So I know it's a big topic and uh, it's a great way to grow your practice. So I guess let's dig in. Yeah, let's talk. I mean, so there's so many avenues where we could take this. So you just stop me if there's something (laughs) we should pivot to or, um, you know, but I think without addressing how COVID has affected our field and marketing in our field would be a mistake. Right. So what I've noticed, and I'm curious for you is I've noticed that in the post COVID, I guess we're still in it, but, um, since the pandemic, I have seen a huge rise in therapists marketing their private practices through social media. And then also online, obviously in other forms, um, and people having a lot of success with that, which is awesome. You know, I mean, therapists should be able to comment and have a bigger, reach and a bigger, what do you call it? A bigger sphere of influence. I don't know. Um, and I think it's really cool. So have you noticed the same thing? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that most therapists I'm connected with, if they didn't have social media before the pandemic, they typically have it now. There are a few outliers that are still, um, doing the you know, offline networking and doing really great at that. And because they're doing the things that we talked about in our last episode, but yeah, I think I've seen a huge uptick in the amount of therapists on social media and I'm loving it because they're giving some great support for people when they really need it most. I feel like 
you know, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, just the information that people were putting out there, especially therapists was so helpful. And I think it did support people in reaching out for therapy. And I think the more therapists that are on social media and visible, it does normalize therapy and it makes it more accessible. Oh, totally. You know, I mean, I think I always think about like the phrase of we have to meet clients where they are. Right. And let's be honest, (laughs) majority of our clients are on social media. So Mm -hmm. that chance to kind of be in their space in a way. Um, And I will, I talk about this a little bit. I have an online course that teaches therapists how to build a private practice. And I, and I still talk about the fact that I personally believe that therapists don't have to have it. You know, I think that there's kind of a lot of swirl about it right now. And, and I think it's an incredible tool and it's one I personally choose to use, but do I think it's mandatory as a therapist to build your business? No, Mm -hmm. I think that there, we still work in a hugely relationship-based field. People want to be able to say, I know Cindy, she's incredible. I want to refer to her, you know, so I don't think it's a have to, Mm -hmm. but if you choose to do it, I think it can be an incredible tool. Definitely. And I don't know if you've noticed this, and I think my opinion on this has changed. I did a podcast when I first, um, it was probably, you know, when I first launched the the podcast, I did an episode about um, like social media isn't like the easiest way to grow your practice. Like it can give you some visibility, but for me, at least before the pandemic, I did. I don't know if I ever got any clients from social media, even though I was on Facebook and Instagram and shared helpful tips. I don't know of anyone directly coming from social media. It was all from my website or from networking. And those were the two main things. And I did social media because I enjoyed it with no expectation of getting clients. It was more of a creative outlet. And I've noticed more in my coaching business. I don't know if it's because of the different type of business or that it's more common for people to find providers on social media. But I have noticed that some of my coaching clients have came from Instagram. Um, So I'm not sure if that would have been the case if I was still in the therapy field. So based on your, what you've been seeing, have you been seeing an uptick in people or especially therapists in private practice getting a large number of clients from social media? Yes. Okay. I will give it a huge caveat though. So, so yes. And, and my experience is similar to yours. So prior to the pandemic, I did have a a therapy account just for my therapy practice. Now I'm not currently taking on new clients and I don't run that account anymore. So sometimes people will ask me because I run, you know, a private practice consulting account. They'll be like, where's your private practice account? And um, I used to have it, but running two is crazy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we know one account is that. So, um, but prior to the pandemic, I noticed the same thing. You know, I don't think there were as many therapists on social media and the ones who were, were like kind of really famous Esther Perel, Brene Brown type people, but there weren't as much of like the common, like influencer therapists mm-hmm. that there are now, you know, that have some, a few thousand followers and that have, a, you know, a newsletter and things that they have going on. But now I do see tons of people. Um, and then some of my therapist clients, you know, so my therapist coaching consulting clients have followings and, and are really getting a lot of referrals from that. The way I would say the yes, but is I see a lot of therapists who 
are, let's say on Instagram or on Facebook, and they're posting maybe a couple times a week and they're not posting their own original content, right? Mm-hmm. So they're posting, like, I always will take a jab at people posting quotes and I have mm-hmm. no, no, like, <laughs> I love quotes, right? I have mm-hmm. tons of quotes books in my office, but they're posting non-original content. And yeah. what happens is number one, Instagram actually just let out a statement saying they're going to be starting to prioritize original content. Number one, <laughs> so original creators pro- showing their own work. And number two, like people who are going to come to your practice strictly through social media want to see you. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't necessarily want to see like a slide about why EMDR is effective. Although that is helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're coming to, it's like a, a little window into you. And so unless you're able to use that window effectively, it's not going to build your practice, you know? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'll tell people like, there's two ways to go about social media. One is kind of a glorified business card and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think I would say like, in the past, that's pre-pandemic, what I saw being really effective for people. You know, they're posting every once in a while so that when a client has already come to their practice, they can see that they have a lot of awesome resources. It's like credibility. Hi, Cindy here. I'm popping in because we had a little bit of a tech issue and we are just hopping back into the conversation where we think we left off. So here we go. Yes, I am noticing a huge uptick in therapists getting referrals from social media. And I'll add a huge caveat to that, which is I am seeing therapists getting referrals if they utilize social media in the right way. And so what I mean by that is I think that there are kind of two categories of how we can use social media. So category one is kind of using your social media as a glorified business card, which I think is completely okay. So that would be kind of this category of like, maybe you post once or twice a week and you're not super active online, but when a client finds you through another provider or through a referral, they could look at your social media and be like, oh, she's legit. You know, she has some great resources. So I'm going to give her a call. And then there's this category of you're really active online. You kind of have a strategy for how to market your private practice online. You're really clear about your ideal client and you're interacting a lot. And that's when I see people getting referrals. So I don't know if that makes sense really, but I think that there's kind of two ways to approach it. And it's important to get clear on how you want to approach it and how much time you want to invest in it in order to get clients. Does that make sense? Yeah. Something that I was thinking of as you were explaining that, and it made it make more sense to me. So if you are using it as that glorified business card, and that's totally okay, because it can legitimize who you are and you have a presence there and people can check you out and know that you're legit, like that's totally fine. But that's, they're probably coming to that after they already know about you. But then thinking about the therapist that is really engaged in their social media account and connecting with people. It's almost like that personal touch, like we were talking about last week with the building those referral relationships. This is almost like building those relationships online. So maybe that's the difference in whether you may get clients or not from social media is that in the second instance, you're showing up, you're being approachable, you're building community and connection. And so that could be yeah, that could be the difference in why you may or may not be getting clients from social media. 
Oh yeah. I think that that's so true. And I think that's something you do a great job of on your mountain practice journeys page. You know, I think it's so important to be able to build relationships with people online. And that doesn't necessarily mean chatting, right? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to like be in your DMs all the time. And, but I think it's about really making sure that your content speaks to the pain points of your ideal client, you know, and that you get really clear about what your ideal client wants to consume online. So, you know, if you just think about yourself and maybe the accounts that you follow and thinking about why do I follow those accounts? Like, what are they offering me? It's the same thing with your account, right? Like if you're just using it kind of as a resume, that's different than being able to say, okay, I post about these topics because they're important to my ideal client. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think... So that's where I think kind of some of the strategy of it comes in. And I actually have um, an online workshop that I'm recording in a couple of weeks about all of this. But, um, you know, I think it's important, a few things. One, to have a consistent schedule, you know, to, to come up with a posting schedule that you're able to maintain and then maintain it consistently, you mm-hmm. know, and that's the hardest part that I see for people. Um, but unfortunately, you know, these algorithms, regardless of what, platform you're on, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is, they want people to stay on their platform, right? Like that's the goal is the longer people are on there, the more they're going to prioritize that content. And so if you have content that's engaging, that people want to engage with, they're going to show you higher on feeds. And so let's say you post once a week and then you don't post again for three more weeks, well, you're going to rank lower. And so actually the bigger break you're taking, the less and less your content is going to get shown mm-hmm. to other people. And so the consistency is the most important thing. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're using social media as a marketing strategy, that consistency is so important. If you're using it as a creative outlet and you're not necessarily trying to get clients from social media, then show up whenever you feel like it or whenever you have something that you want to share. But if you're really serious about wanting to use this and making the most out of it, that consistency is so important. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I always say like, that's probably my number one most important thing is like being consistent. And there are ways to do that. You know, there's a lot of different apps where you can schedule your, what I always call content, you know, is like you can schedule your posts based on um, your own schedule. So let's say you don't want to post, but you sit down for a couple hours on a Saturday and you schedule out a month's worth of posts or two months worth of posts. Well, you could do all of that and still be consistent without actually having to be sitting mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way that I can be consistent is by using a social media scheduler. Um, I think a year or two ago, I sit down for an entire weekend and created a bunch of content and was able to get enough to recycle content for, you know, maybe every two to three months. And I still, so I have that to where I am showing up at least two to three times a week. And Mm -hmm. then I may post you know, an additional two to three times of things that just come up and I randomly want to share. So it, it does have that consistency to it. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's awesome. Which schedule are you using? I use social B and I love it. Yeah, I think we talked about, I know I'm trying to find, so I'm using Facebook business suite right now and I'm not loving, it doesn't recycle content, you know, mm-hmm. it'll just allow, I mean, I guess I could figure out how to do that, but it doesn't, 
like bring it back around, you know, yeah. so all of my posts are like new posts all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason I chose social B because it did have that option to have those evergreen posts. So I have some that are scheduled just for a specific date and then they're not relevant anymore. And then I have several of them that I'm like, this content is relevant anytime. So it just cycles through them. Yeah. No, I think that that's amazing. I need to check it out. What else, what do you feel like has helped you grow online most? I think that the more that I shared my thoughts and opinions that I was afraid to share, the more bold I was, the more that I actually had opinions and shared them, then that's when I got the most engagement. Because I still share my mountain quotes just because they're fun and I can put them on a pretty thing, but that's not... um, the majority of my post anymore. That's what it was in the beginning because I'm like, I don't know what to share. I don't know, you know, that I want to, I didn't want anyone to read something that I posted and not agree with it or have an opinion about it. So it made my content really bland. Um, So even though I still do my fun little mountain quotes and talk about my interpretation of them, I've started sharing my opinions about, um, you know, related to internalized capitalism and all of this like hustle culture and some of the things that I'm really passionate about and how we need to rest more. And, and those are the posts that get the most engagement and people are like, Oh, thank goodness. Someone's saying this. And in the beginning I was like, well, yeah, this is, could be considered a controversial opinion. And then when I look at it compared to other people's, I'm like, no, that's still, it's still pretty mild, but it was a big jump for me to risk not a hundred percent of people agreeing with what I have to say. So I think when you you're yourself and you can share yourself and your opinions and be a little bit edgy, then that's when you get traction. Yeah. I think you're so right. You know, and Again, I have no nothing wrong with quotes. I post them too, you know, <laughs> how people like mix it in one in every five yeah. minutes or something. Um, but I agree with you. I can remember the moment I po- I post a lot about how kind of this internalized idea that a lot of therapists have that we don't deserve to make money mm-hmm. or that like we should be lowering our fee, lowering our fee to compensate for the systems not paying therapists enough, whether that's insurance companies or less funding, you know, government's not funding enough mental health programs and that sort of thing. So I post a lot, a lot, a lot of content about that. And the first time I wrote a post about that, I was so nervous because I knew, you know, I knew people had different opinion. I know that there's a reason why therapists are afraid to charge their full fee, right? Because we get a lot of these messages and but you're right. Somewhat controversial content, which is like telling therapists they deserve to make money is not even that controversial, right? Yeah. Like it's in the land of Instagram, but it felt really vulnerable to me, mm-hmm. you know? And, and even yesterday I posted about some of my own mental health struggles and having anxiety and taking an SSRI. And that was like, it took me an hour to get up the courage to post about it. But what I find is when I'm myself and I'm vulnerable and there's obviously a fine line there, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to post something that like I'm actively struggling with in the moment or something like that. Um, but people do respond to it and it is like, it's a relationship, you know, and you get to decide for yourself and your own personal and professional boundaries, how you want that relationship to look. And 
you know, I know some therapists get super, super vulnerable online and some don't. And, and I don't think there's a right way as long as it's kind of like, I think it, it should mirror a little bit how you are in the therapy room. So if you're somebody who does tons of self-disclosure already, and that's what they're going to get when they come see you. Okay. Then do it. If you're somebody who's like total blank slate that, and you're super vulnerable online, that's going to feel odd to your clients. Mm -hmm. I tell people like, whatever it is you're already doing in the therapy room is probably a good way to go online. Yeah. I think that's a great way because there's neither one of those are right or wrong. I think it's more about showing up authentically and who, as who you truly are. So you're not these two different personalities online and then in the therapy room and then in your personal life, like people have different personalities and some people are more outgoing and share more. And that's totally appropriate for them as a therapist, because that's how they work and connect with clients and other people are not. And there's nothing wrong with that either. It's just how they show up in their personality and how they work with clients. So I think if you can have that congruence in all those areas, then it's the right way for you to do it. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. I think that's probably one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything else you can think about as far as talking about marketing your practice online? You know, I would say, and the the topic we didn't touch on is websites, you know, Mm -hmm. the most, and I I talk a lot about this in my course, like at this day and age, you must have a hardworking, beautiful website. Yes. If your website looks dated, you look dated. Mm -hmm. And that's real. You know, I think a few years ago, you could have gotten away with like a website that didn't look great. But I think at this point, you really need at least a website that looks clean and professional and calm, you know, like something that looks pretty good. It doesn't mean you have to have like the most fancy website. You mm-hmm. can create a beautiful website in Squarespace or mm-hmm. other companies that have these template sites. And I used one for a long time. Um, but you need a really nice website, even if you're yeah. not doing SEO or you're not, you know, like mm-hmm. I think that's like bare minimum what you like. I always tell people, you don't have to have social media, but at the bare minimum, Right now, if you're starting a private practice, I believe you need a website. Definitely. Yeah, totally agree with that. And it's not, you're right. Now there are so many easy ways to create a beautiful website. It doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, I design websites and they are many thousands of dollars and you can go that route, but you don't have to, you can get, you can buy even on Etsy and different places, you can buy some beautiful Squarespace templates that people have already designed and they look really, really nice. And you just plug in your information and you set you up a Squarespace account. So there are ways to have a beautiful website without it being super expensive. Totally. Yeah. yeah, That's, that would be my takeaway. I think. What Mm -hmm. about you? Yeah. I mean, I think I just second that. I, I mean, I am biased because I am a web designer, but I, I think it's so important to have a beautiful website. And I also know people that have very successful practices that don't have one, but they're really putting effort into a lot of these other areas, whether it be social media or they're really building their referral network and networking, but whatever, I think a website is uh, one takes the least amount of effort to get the most from it. So you can put all the information on there. It's there 24 seven working for you. You, I mean, of course you're going to update it, but once you have that information out there, you don't have to do anything else except tell people about your website. Be like, go visit my website, go visit my website and you can refer them to it and it's working for you. So I think it's the easiest, um, 
marketing technique. Like, yeah. yeah. Work while you sleep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why don't you tell people about how they can learn more about you and find out about the work that you do? Definitely. Okay. So you can always find me online on Instagram at the private practice pro or on my website, <laughs> the private practice pro.com. Um, and I have another training coming up about how to build specifically an Instagram following online. Um, but I'm always happy to be a resource and I try to post lots of free tips and resources on my Instagram. So for sure, follow me there. Perfect. And I'll share all these links and everything in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here, Kelly. Thank you for having me. In this episode, I mentioned using Social Bee for my social media scheduling. So be sure to check out my link in the show notes if you'd like to get a free trial. And thank you so much for joining me today for episode 77. I've titled my solo episode, I Was Boring Because I Was Scared. So I hope you'll tune in. If you haven't yet listened to episode 75, I urge you to do that. In that episode, I began my conversation with Kelly about the importance of building referral relationships. I'm truly grateful that you choose to join me here for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. For more inspiration and to see what I'm up to, join me over on Instagram at Mountain Practice Journeys. If you're enjoying yourself here, please head over to Apple Podcast and hit those five stars and I'll be over the moon. And if you'd like to work with me, join me in Forest Mind, my cozy small group mastermind for private practice introverts, highly sensitive therapists, and solopreneurs who help and heal. May the forest be with you.